Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody knows we love Dogtra, dogtra.com, uh, the YS600 bar collars, the 1900S uh, black. That's one of uh, Ted's favorites. Uh, check them out, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over $200. That is dogtra.com. Hits canine for handlers by handlers in Chocolate City for 2024, New Orleans, 2024, August 21st to the 23rd. Hit them up. Hits canine, letter K-9.net. Don't wait to the last minute to sign up. We have a great relationship with the folks down at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, they have a great balance of healthy meats, grains, and is made specifically for working and sporting dogs. Check them out, kineticdogfood.com. You will not be disappointed. They are great. Hey, guys, be sure to check out Ray Allen Manufacturing's new training app that they've got, iTunes Store and the Android Store, uh, new product collaborations. Um, be sure to check it out. We also got a new discount code, RAM, R-A-M-W-D-R, RAMWDR for 10% off, RayAllen.com. American Aluminum, best inserts in the game. Hit them up at Easy Rider Online. That's the letter E-Z, RiderOnline.com. Brand new advertiser, guys, Rex Specs. We love them. They believe that any adventure worker play is better with a dog by your side. To keep them protected with you no matter what, Rex Specs designs and manufactures performance-driven dog gear for the active and working dog. 20% off your first order. Discount code Working Dog Radio. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. As usual, I am Eric Stamber from sunny, rainy, cold Malvern, Ohio. <laughs> And with me, as usual, I was about to say Sonny, and Ted was like, you're a liar, um, <laughs> is Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ted, what's going on, buddy? Everyone knows the sun doesn't shine in Ohio. It did for three minutes today. I'm sure it did. Uh, we, so this episode is going to post uh, like the end of January sometime, but this is literally the last episode of the year, so it's right before New Year's. Um yeah, we had dog go home on the twenty sixth. So yeah, dude, you got a big class coming, <laughs> dude. I have fucking, it, it, it keeps. All, it seems it to was, grow. It was all day. Um, dogs, dudes picking dogs up and uh, taking them. I got uh, four states and three judicial districts in one class. So nice. Twenty three or yeah. twenty four? Uh, it's gonna be less. It's gonna be like high teens, like seventeen, oh. nineteen dogs. I'm oh, still okay. kind of waiting. We have some retreads of dogs we didn't train. Um, so for those listening that are in Oklahoma, um, our state just passed. Uh, we're one of the few states that has a state a mandatory state certification. Ohio does too. Um, but to get your letter to test, so basically the way it works in Oklahoma is you have your you go like the first time you get certified, you have to have a letter to test and you give that to one of our state evaluators, you go, you pass your test or you don't, whatever. And then the state evaluator turns that in our then board cleat, which is like our version of post or a pot or whatever, then turns around and sends your agency, your certification. Like, so, but you're good to go. Like right then. However, they have made it mandatory that you must do a 160 hour course to get your letter to test, which I think is great. Um, so I think I'm running the first, definitely the largest, um, first class under the new regulations. Um, we start January 2nd. So long after this episode airs, uh, right towards the end of this class. So I'll have these guys for like a month, but, um, I have several of my handlers, um, coming in to help instruct, uh, from some of the neighboring agencies and stuff. So, um, 
Yeah. And I'm already getting ready for March. So we're going to offset because Anthony Moore, who's been a guest on the show, uh, one of our state certifiers, uh, handles for the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs, handles a dog named Pablo. Uh, he's going to help instruct, but he's also running a 160 hour course in February for other agencies as well. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to offset. Like I'm going to take January, March, May, June, and he's going to take February. Like we're going to like offset back and forth. So, um, yeah. And I'm going to go help him with his. He's going to help me with mine. So everybody gets everything. It's like co-parenting. It's going to be great. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm dealing with the 501. So if you're listening in Oklahoma, the 501 is live. So, uh, Oklahoma, it's uh, oil capital canine fund capital spell like money, C A P A T I L, uh, canine fund.org. But, uh, that's for Oklahoma teams. Um, so yeah, hit it up, look it up. What have you been doing? Um, just kind of running the pet side of the business. I had a training group at the, at the building, the fun house yesterday. Um, uh, supposed to have a group there today, but they, it was too short notice for them. They canceled, but, uh, which was fine. I had a lot to do. Um, just kind of revamping the pet side and just doing some different things. So I, I gotta be in there all the time. Still going, I, I break and go to 10 a.m. jujitsu class. And so this is Saturday. Invol- I in, involuntarily folding laundry with people. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday, I went to um, uh, what was it? Fuck, I can't remember what day it was. Saturday was class, and then so we did class, no gi, and then we stayed rolled afterwards. And I f- old manned my rib cage. Um, I've been running hot, man. I've been running good. No injuries. No nothing. No strains. No nothing. And I think I pulled a muscle like right under the lower rib cage um i i tried this i just was it's called an upa i was just pushing this guy off of me and i missed a thing so he was able to brace out and i just ran into a brick wall he's actually a canine handler a uh, good dude and uh normal non-54 year olds would it would not have bothered them but so i kept i rolled a couple few more times and then i left by the time I got to the truck out in the parking lot, I was like, fuck, I need ibuprofen. And so, you know, are you going to take, you're going to take some time off? Yeah. The rest of Saturday, Sunday and Monday. So Tuesday was open, Matt. So I went, I went yesterday to open. No Matt, one likes and, a quitter. Right. I, I am who I am. <laughs> I, I, it's all there is to it. So I went, um, yeah. And, uh, I'm hurting today. So, but guess what? I went to 10 AM class again today. Uh, I did not roll this time. I just drilled, but we <laughs> we were drilling throws, so that was fun. Landed on the other side, though. Yeah, Throw but I must other. be I must be standing weird a little bit because now, like the middle of, uh, the middle of my back on the right side is it's off. You know, there's something nah, going on. You need to go to a chiropractor, not one of the witch doctor ones. I think I need to just go hang somewhere from my hands, like that too. You need one of those teeter hang up things, hang yeah, upside no. down by your feet. That's how I die. That one, all the blood. To, you know, I grew up in an era. If you're upside down, all the blood rushes to your head and you die. Exactly. That's what they told us. <laughs> and you could get sick by going outside with wet hair. So anyways, that's pretty much what was going on. Um, I've b- booked a bunch of seminars. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. I got to, uh, I got to start making flyers for those, but um, I'll be, think i don't think i have any in january but february is a couple march is a couple april may so we'll just keep rolling on that um then uh oh that reminds me i gotta answer got uh getting our room signed up for 
hold the line conference at Myrtle Beach. Oh uh, yeah, in March, right? Yeah, March. Yeah, I got to answer yeah. their their email about that. But Ted and I will both be instructing there. Um, he's teaching the scenario based training class, and I'll be teaching the e collar class. So you can jump, you know, between uh, probably a couple times we'll teach, so that at least you get you yeah. know get a chance come, in between there. Come um, heckle us. They seem to always put really good instructors at the same time you and I are teaching. So I get bummed out because there's guys I, I want to see. I and, seriously, the last time I was there was the guys that I was like, I want to go to this guy's class and this guy's class. And we're teaching at the same time. I'm like, what? yeah, damn it. So I know. So, all right. What do we got going on tonight, brother? <laughs> so we, we did an episode last month um, where it was just you and I talking about weed cases and weed law and people freaking out because Ohio passed medicinal or passed recreational. And, um, and of course, everyone in Ohio freaked the fuck out. And just like they did everywhere else in the country, every time it goes region, uh, it goes medicinal. So our guest tonight has been involved in another study that potentially has the ability to freak everyone out again. Um, and we're recording this at a date when it has not been published yet. So we're not going to publish this episode until the epi- until the whoever we'll let our guest talk about all this shit but we're going to publish this kind of like after it like the next available time that we normally publish after this thing comes out but tonight um from next level canine down in uh texas is steve antimarchi steve how are you man i'm doing well man thank you guys for having me on well hell yeah no when this episode um we actually heard from one of our other guests um from who was it eric uh um, josh brainerd yeah josh, josh brainerd um like he's like yo you need to have steve on about this because it's gonna freak people out and i'm like what <laughs> and i didn't get a chance to talk to him because i had other shit going on and then he called eric and eric was like yo hey um this is what's going on and you we need to have him on i'm like all right well like so what is it he told me i'm like oh okay so like i i want to hear what's going on so give us a little bit of your background first before we get into um the sky is falling for and, sure. Um, because I, I foresee like by the time this episode comes out, like the study will have been out for, I don't know, probably about a week. And right. um, people are just going to give up and sell all their dogs in that time frame. So <laughs> <Just> <laughs> uh, by the, when they publish the study, I'm going to publish some short clips of this episode and be like, don't <laughs> freak out, like just chill out. So go ahead and give us your background a little bit and then we'll go into why you shouldn't freak out. Perfect. I'll, I'll give you the short, right? I'll, I'll, give, yeah, I'll yeah. give you guys a heads up real quick. Do not freak out. Uh, whatever whatever you in, uh, interpret the study is saying, let me just say it very plainly. Uh, yes, we've recognized that there potentially is a problem with certain dogs differentiating between hemp and marijuana. But the good news is we have the answer. And it's been three years in the making. And so we do have an answer. We, we're going to be able to tell you where to get hemp products, uh, how to uh, discriminate, help your dog discriminate between the odors of hemp and marijuana. So don't freak out. Everything's going to be okay. And there, there's your short right there. All right. Great. All right. Let's start from where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> right okay. on. So there we I'm, go. I'm originally from New Jersey, uh, a small little town called Wharton, New Jersey. Uh, so shout out to like the 500 people that live in, in Wharton. Um, got into uh canine uh, re- realistically as a uh, as a volunteer fireman uh, for a local uh, for a local agency in New Jersey and responded to 9-11. So in that time, I was able to see my first dog work. And uh, I always tell people it's kind of like the first time I, I recognized that I wanted to do something for a living. I had an idea for a while that I want to be a lawyer. I was in college, um, then realized that 
I'm not a really good student. I didn't really like uh, school at that time. It's kind of funny saying it now because that's all I do now is study and everything else that I do. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, I had an opportunity to see a dog work on 9-11 and it changed my world. I got to see a, a lab um, work about, I don't know, 30, 40 feet from me. And the lab was injured, uh, of course, looking for people. And the, uh, the handler must have had some medical background because the handler pretty much sutured the dog in the field, cleaned up the dog, and the dog went right back to work. And for me, that was life changing. That was something out of a movie. And I tell everybody it was my first actual conversation with God. Like if I ever get an opportunity to do something that cool, please send me. I want to do something that cool. Uh, fast forward, you know, 15 years, I, you know, I'm, I had an opportunity to be a cop, still am. Uh, got an opportunity to work bomb dogs in the private sector, kind of got my feet wet there. Um, and then uh, had an opportunity to, as a police officer, respond to some crazy, crazy uh, scenes, uh, mainly uh, the one in Dallas where the five officers got killed um, on July 7, 2016. I believe that's when it was uh, the BLM riots were happening. Mm -hmm. So during yeah, that time, I got an opportunity crazy. to kind of just take all the skills that I had obtained during that time and really put it to the test and search the downtown Dallas area for IEDs. Um, the information we had at that time, of course, was obviously this guy's serious. And that during the negotiations, he had mentioned that he had hidden IEDs all over the downtown area. Uh, the information at the time was that when he arrived and parked, there was another vehicle that parked next to him, maybe a, a parking spot away from him. And it was a male and female that got out, had a small conversation with the suspect and went opposite directions. So we were pretty positive that the female that was carrying a backpack had the IEDs and she was placing it downtown. So that's a little bit of inside information during that time and that, that specific deployment. Um, so I had an opportunity to learn a lot from that, uh, made some mistakes that I'm very transparent about because I want our industry to learn, especially from my mistakes in a deployment like that. One of the things that didn't do particularly well was at that time didn't expose my dog to uh, blood, human blood, and you know some of the distractors you're going to see uh, in a scene like that. Uh, so we had some, you know, a hard, hard time kind of, you know, moving around that, that area and that scene where there was blood. Uh, but we spent 12 hours, man, uh, searching for 30 minutes, breaking for 30 minutes, searching for 20, uh, you know, back and forth kind of thing. And uh, it was really difficult to go home not finding anything. Uh, I was pretty sure that there was probably something I missed. And that feeling uh, didn't allow me to go to sleep for several days, to be quite frank. So you don't want to be the guy to miss uh, anything like that, right? It's not mm -hmm. a narcotic. We're talking about explosives. So, uh, we, uh, we took it slow after that, try to get as much information as possible. And I'm happy to say that there was nothing found downtown. Uh, however, at the suspect's place, there was definitely bomb making material that the FBI ended up seizing and taking. So he, we think at least that he just didn't have enough time to test everything, but, um, yeah, that's, it was one of the, my deployments. More recently, we had a mass shooting in Allen, Texas, uh, at a um, at a mall here, an outlet mall, where we had to respond to that. And you know, the things that I learned from that first deployment definitely came into play. There was there was much more blood in in this scene, of course. Uh, as a father, that's always hard to see little kids and their families slaughtered. Uh, those are things that uh, still working through, to be quite frank. Um, mentally, that's always a, that's a tough one as a, as a husband and a father to see families just slaughtered like that. 
but as far as the deployments are concerned, you know, super happy with how my dog performed that day. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a history of some of my deployments and some of the things that, uh, that I've done in my career, at least. The Dallas stuff is uh, like, that's crazy. I was still on the police department, still a cop, like really, was really um, struck hard by that one watching it. You know, there was video of some stuff that you could see that was fucking horrible. I still say to this date, the way they dispatched that dude, A, was pretty fucking unbelievable. But the fact that a police supervisor made that call to me is fan-fucking-tastic. Because they you know, just don't do that. They don't no. make those tough calls. When that happened, um, we were up in uh, Pennsylvania at Tripwire. And there was some information going around shout out to Ryan and the guys at Tripwire. But I, when they told me what happened, I was like, they did what? And they walked us out into the lobby. They're like, like a version of this thing. Cause they have a, like, if you've never been to Tripwire, it's fucking awesome. They have all kinds of crazy. Have you ever been up there, Steve? I have not, not yet, dude. You need to go see those guys just because they're great. But, um, and they're, as you would exactly expect them to be, but they had like a giant robot, like sitting in the fucking like entryway of the place. And they're like, it's one of those, but it was smaller. I'm like they seriously just like put them like, yep. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So uh, yeah. And I was going to say the thing in Allen, Texas, the body cam video from that is gnarly. Um, I've seen that multiple times and that is some hairy shit for sure. Um, that, I I'm surprised that they released it that quickly, but um, I'm kudos to them. I mean, that was, I, I did he get called? Like he got called and he was close already. Like, what was the story on that? Cause he was yeah. there fast. Like, I mean, that dude was already like in the parking lot or something when shit started happening. Yeah. So there's a perfect example of just being at the right place at the right time. There was some type of uh, minor dispute over parking or something in that area. So he was actually in the parking lot handing out stickers to young kids, just doing good PR work for police department. Okay. Oh, that's what it was. And, and he hears the shots ring out. He immediately tells the dispatch, hey, we got shots fired here. By the way, these these things happen. Shots fired in Texas, right? Not, I mean, people. everyone's got guns. Mm -hmm. So uh, initially it was, hey, we got shots fired. Hopefully it's a very isolated situation and incident. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they've had issues there before with that. Um, but obviously very different where you hear the type of fire that's happening and it's continuous and continuous and continuous. So man, he, in that area, everything's kind of echoing. So he's doing his best, try to figure out exactly where it's coming from. And as you said, the video gnarly video, he, he's running a hundred yards before he finally sees the guy takes a deep breath and you can hear him. He takes three, four five shots and smokes the guy. It was, uh, they, they re kind of constructed what they did like a debriefing and they kind of explain the angle in which he shot this dude was almost impossible. So wow. um, they're just very, very, very blessed that he was able to stop the killing as fast as he, he did. And uh, you know, he had his cover coming from the opposite way, which was a concern. He knew that was potential for crossfire. So he had to think about all these things and he's absolutely exhausted. He smoked He's with his last couple breaths. He takes that. And then, what you don't see, I don't think it had been made to available to the public or I don't know. Nowadays, you probably could find it anyway, is what happens afterwards. They're thinking there's another shooter. It's not over for him. So he takes that shot. He downs the guy. They confirm he's dead. And uh, there are people running out saying there's someone in the back of this place. And, and it's absolutely chaotic. So the dude never gets an opportunity just to relax 
and he's you know he's at a level 20 out of 10 the whole time wow you could hear it i mean you could hear it in his voice when um we had the uh handler on they got shot from um south carolina and same thing like you could hear and it's rough because we chat like because i'm recording this is the 27th um Yesterday, we had a shooting at the mall here in Tulsa, the huge mall, and it was some altercation, like guys were yelling at each other, and one of them got shot and ended up dying, but um, they just released today that he died, but the chief of police is out there, and Tulsa's a large department. I mean, we're about a million and a half in this area, and I think we have about 800-ish, almost 900 sworn, I think. Um, chief of police was out. I mean, it was a huge deal, <laughs> and like the largest shopping area like in this side of the state it was massive but it was just one shot dude died but it's yeah yeah but um i i don't know i heard a rumor i don't know how i heard this recently that the dallas pd borrowed the robot from the feds and so they didn't blow up their own robot that they blew up a fbi you, robot maybe you know i can't confirm that i i did hear that that was uh it was replaced rather quickly yeah, that's even ball, that's baller as fuck. Yeah. Let me use I, your I, robot. Hold on. What are you going to do? Don't worry about it. It'll be all right. We'll be all right. Yeah, just <laughs> go blow that dude up. So money. how did you fed, get to Texas? Money. Yeah. 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 Great question. So um, my brother's a cop in Texas. And so mm. long story short, he made the, the journey and everybody was thought maybe he was on a witness protection or something. No one could understand why a Jersey boy would leave Jersey and go all the way right. to Texas, which culturally is about as separated as the two states can possibly be. Maybe California is a little bit more. It's because of barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you guys know you're close enough to know that there's good barbecue in Texas for sure. Yes. Uh, cost of living. There's not a New Jersey. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. No. As a matter of fact, when my family comes here, they usually fly back with barbecue in their exactly. carry-on. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, I got an opportunity here in 2009 uh, to join a police department here just north of Dallas and uh, kind of get my feet wet, do the whole patrol thing, understand how to be a cop, uh, and then get an opportunity about three, four years afterwards to be a canine handler on the police side. By that time, I was already handling a dog in the private sector, working bomb stuff, trying to wrap my head around the chemistry and how things work. And I just, my mind is never settled with a little bit of information i have to understand how everything works and that's a curse and a blessing at the same time of course so uh, i find myself really uh, understanding and trying to understand the academia side of canine and you know have these deployments and some are going well some of them are not and i don't want someone to tell me well that's just the way it goes sometimes like i want to know their why things are happening so luckily i end up having some really good um mentors uh, who kind of taught me to have that uh, perspective on work is ask the why question, understand the why at all times and uh, got some answers and eventually got hooked up with uh, Florida International University and were able to kind of do some studies with them. And, you know, we just started, uh, you know, that relationship about three years ago and we hope uh, to be like the deployment or the, the boots on the ground part of a lot of their studies because i know you guys had a guest before where you talked about yes the importance of science is there but on the actual deployment side right the boots on the ground side has to be represented also yeah. 
So I'm hoping that. Yeah, there you go. There's a there's a gap there for sure. There is a gap between the the science people and the leash holders, without a doubt. I'm hoping and I'm praying that I fill that gap uh, because I'm a guy who who did everything on the ground first and then learned the science afterwards, not the other way around. And uh, as scientists talk to me about certain philosophies, I'm happy to say and call BS on a lot of the things that they can do only in a controlled environment, or they sometimes say the dog can't do this. And I look at uh, the quality of dogs they had, uh, the number of dogs they had, and the the background of those dogs. And, and I'm, I have to point out that part of the issue with some of the sciences that the quality of dogs that are being utilized in some of these scientific studies are not quite up to snuff. Yeah. You know, my background prior to canine stuff, dog stuff in general, or I guess at the same time, um, was, um, a lot of math and, um, statistics and everything else. So I understand a lot of how that stuff works. So, and ultimately, and this comes in kind of more like on the pet side when people talk about like, oh, force free and, you know, not using e-collars and whatever else. So there's any number of studies that get cited all the damn time. And the first thing that I constantly do is I'm like, look at the sample size, look at the sample, like what the population looked like and everything to see if it's representative of things. And in fact, there's a, a we've a guest that's been on the show, Steve White, who I have a massive amount of respect for from Seattle PD. And I've instructed with him and he's going to be a blue line, by the way, Steve Dean, thousand hour eyes. If you haven't sat through that presentation, it's amazing. Um, Steve is awesome and he's retired from Seattle PD now, but he's often cited by the force free community as a guy that doesn't, he's like, Oh, I don't advocate for use of force. And I'm like, uh, I know Steve. And that's not what he says. So, and Dunbar is the other one. Ian Dunbar is the guy that constantly gets misquoted and whatever else. So, you know, it, it routinely gets, like drawn and which we're kind of going into what you're involved in right now, which is what I'm afraid of is it's going to get sucked into this um, vortex of I'm going to read it and it's going to say what I feel like it says. (laughs) And because I can read some of these studies from like an objective perspective and say, okay, they only had a sample size of 36 dogs. The 36 dogs were selected. This was the criteria for selection. And then they drew this conclusion. And I'm like, yeah, but if you selected through, you know, 36 working Malinois, your samples, you like the conclusion would be completely different. So how, how valid are these results? And then there's a whole difference between a study and an actual, like an, an actual, in an actual study versus just like a rehash of what everyone else has already done. So it, it becomes interesting in terms of how they develop, like answering some of these questions, but I think it's kind of important in what you're about to talk about. So yeah. well, hold up nerds. Stop <laughs> I, before we <laughs> jump too quick into what everybody's what here to, to listen to. Let's back up real quick. Cause everybody will be pissed. If I don't ask you the dog that you worked when you went to <clears> Dallas, <throat> tell me about that dog. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. name his name is Verdi. Uh, Verdi, ironically, was uh, that might have been our second ever deployment. I had just got him from Metro Dade Canine in Miami. We had just certified. I love this dog to death, uh, but I, I maybe had him for a week, maybe less than that. So Damn. it was like it was like, oh, here we go. Uh, that's the other little tidbit of information that I'm glad you asked because I would have forgot to mention. Uh, so Man, we didn't have a lot of time some- to work on that stuff, you know. That's deep into the pool. (laughs) 
Tell me about <laughs> it. Like going yeah, from no. handler school, handler school to treading water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, so uh, Verdi was my second bomb dog. So I had worked bomb dogs in the past. Uh, but, you know, just like any new relationship, you might as well be green, right? Because that that is very important to be able to read your dog and understand all these things that your dogs will do during, you know, certain deployments and certain odors. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's no, right. no. What, what breed was he? Uh, he's a he's listed as a German Shepherd. He's he's more like a Czech yeah. Shepherd, maybe German Czech Shepherd cross or something like that. He's Excellent. still alive. Yes, too. <laughs> oh, nice. I yeah. figured the way you're talking. Oh, yeah. What? What did you like about him and what didn't you like or do you like and don't you like? Yeah. So I love the fact that uh, as soon as I would take his toy away from him, I didn't have to prep him with anything. He went right back to work. There was no obsession over a toy where I'm having to fight him over anything like that. He's a big, strong shepherd um, who could just go for days, uh, much longer than I was willing to go, to be quite frank. Um, Very independent searching. Obedience was not like, uh, you know, competition obedience by any means, but good enough where I can kind of direct him and do what I needed to do. It, it doesn't need to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we sent a dog to Ukraine, and I was like, as long as he comes back, <laughs> you yeah. can direct him. We're good. <laughs> yeah, the the yeah. Ba- the worst thing about Verdi was his size. He was ninety five pounds. Oh, uh, yeah. So I mean, just having to be able to take him places, groom him, brush him, all that stuff. That but that's so minute. His his pluses or his pros were way out the cons, you know. Yeah. By, by Ted and I are both uh, Malinois guys, right? We we do a lot of Malinois and everything. But I always say a very, very good shepherd mm. is such a dream to teach. Like, so nice to train. I've had some gangsters come through for dual purpose in the last six months that mm-hmm. are like they're a pleasure like a real yeah you know I mean? they're nice do you know dim one's name is dino he's a gangster and uh the yeah we've the they're they're nice dogs i like them when they're like yeah. that <laughs> a little less a little less uh mental things to deal with you know a little yeah uh, so they're pretty they're really solid easy to teach tracking to and things like that all right so we're gonna go ahead and take a break uh when we get back we kind of alluded to some stuff we're gonna uh get with steven here on the the main point of the topic of conversation and then our third segment there's some stuff i want to talk to you about like travel and different things that you've done some stuff out of the country and everything seems pretty cool so anyway stick around everybody don't forward we have a lot of good people in our sponsors there uh there's um Discount codes in the show notes. The Ray Allen discount code is new, so make sure you t- check that out. And stick around. We'll be right back. We just finished the Hits Canine Training Conference this year in Phoenix, and what a great time it was. What a great turnout, great instructions. It, I don't know, like 1,300 guys there. It was amazing. Well, guess what? They're coming back next year, August 21st to the 23rd in New Orleans. You do not want to miss it, guys. I'm telling you, it's amazing. The giveaways, the instruction, the instructors, the uh, hanging around at night, getting to meet people. And Ted and I will both be teaching there. Um, if you check them out, hitscanine.net or check them out online. They're everywhere, hitscanine.net. Um, sign up next year. Do not wait. We had a lot of people that waited too long and had to stay at a different hotel than host hotel. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out. You will not find a larger conference to go to. It is by handlers for handlers. You definitely don't want to miss it out. Hits K9.net. 
New Orleans, 2024. We get it fueling a working dog can be tough, but they need high quality food to give them energy and nutrients that require for work and keep their gut healthy for everything that we ask them to do. Kinetic dog food is a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working and sporting dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available. Some of them are actually really cool. They have a weight gainer and they have a, an electrolyte one too, which is uh, we actually use the kennel. Uh, this is so hot all the time in Oklahoma. Uh, and they've been working to perfect their line with thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U.S. And you can buy it locally or you can buy it online at Tractor Supply and Chewy. So hit them up at Kinetic Dog Food. That's going to be good for Instagram and Facebook. Just spell it out. And then KineticDogFood.com. Or you can send out a text. Like if you have a question, you can call them and just talk to Dave. Area code 513 615-6904 and that dude loves to talk about nutrition labels and what's actually in the food you're feeding versus what they have so hit them up kinetic.com kineticdogfood.com we're pleased to have as a sponsor rex specs canine they believe that in any adventure where their worker play is better with a dog by your side to keep them protected with you no matter what Rexpex designs and manufactures performance-driven dog gear for the active and working dog. Uh, specifically, what do they make, though? So if you wanted to get some goggles for the dog, which is great protecting them from UV rays, sticks, seeds, ducks, right, hunting dogs, and rocks, FEMA guys, think about tracking or working in thick cover, rotor wash, uh, dust and sandstorms, nasty basements or attics, or at the range. And specifically, they have interchangeable lenses. they got a dark one, and then they have a clear one. Uh, used by professionals worldwide. One of my favorite things that they actually make is the ear pro. It's something that we use all the time. So one of the things that we do at our handler schools is we do obedience under gunfire with a handler shooting and with backup shooting and move uh, from target to target. And the dogs actually wear the ear pro while we're working all the time. And we treat it just like we treat a muzzle. So the dogs will muzzle up, wear the ear pro, wear the muzzle. We're good to go. It knocks it down between 18 and 24 decibels, all made in quality in the United States. Rex Specs, R-E-X-S-P-E-C-S dot -E -E com at Rex Specs Canine, letter K number nine on Instagrams and the Facebook Working Dog Radio for your 20% off. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Eric Sambro and Ted Stickles. If, I don't know if they can see that in the... Uh... In the thing where your name is there. It's the not video. my actual name, but I know. Ted Summers. <laughs> he goes by Ted's Dude, I was friends, Stephen, I was friends with Ted for a few years. And I said, Why is your last name on social media Stickles? He goes, Ted Stickles, dumbass. I'm like, you no. say, you say it fast, bro. Yeah, say it fast. <laughs> Ted Idiot. And so I was like, okay. I, I felt so stupid, but that's right. The humor's right in my wheelhouse. So, anyways. We got uh, Steve Antomarchi with us from Next Level Canine, Texas, um, out of the McKinney area there. Um, before we get into the study, my son lives in, um, he's a computer engineer down in the Fort Worth area. Dude, this summer, you, you guys, it was so fucking hot there. I went there. It was unreal. Yeah. How'd you have, how'd you deal with that with your dogs? Uh, this was the first summer we uh, almost mandatorily put uh, shoes on our dogs. We didn't wow. have to ever do that before, but even just short deployments were causing an issue. After one of the dogs um, from Prosper was on a track, uh, great track, did a great job, hard surface. The handler had to stop the track because you could see the dog was already bleeding on the bottom of his paws. So, and the dog wanted to continue to move. So it was one of those situations oh, where like he made the right move 
Uh, but the dog was out for two weeks after that, just recovering. And, you know, he, he had a little duchy who's absolutely crazy. So, um, you know, that was that was tough. But those are the kind of things we have to adjust to. So now overnight, <clears throat> we never really had to worry about that. We're all trying to figure out, OK, which dogs are having an issue? What shoes are you buying? What are, are you getting them from? Are they durable? Are they, you know, when should we put them on? When should we take them off? It was uh, it was kind of on the fly. We had to figure things out. Yeah, my son's lucky. He he can work from home. So I think what he's going to do, um, his fiance's family's there in Texas. They're not, so they're not going to move, but he's going to start taking summers into like Colorado. He goes, I'm never spending another summer in Dallas. If it's at all, like it was, it was, I went there, I was only there for, uh, I had a flight delay, weird thing overnight. And he picked me up at the airport. It was 10 o'clock at night. It was 97 degrees. Yeah. That's after Sounds Phoenix. about right. After yeah. hits, we left hits. Yeah. It was was 117. Sounds and, right. But you know, it's it's a different feeling of heat in Dallas. So, yeah. Anyways, Ted, what are we talking about in this segment here? So, shit. Okay. So, <laughs> the, this I haven't seen the study. I kind of know what it's about. I'm gonna let Steve talk about it. But um, there's always been this kind of like undercurrent. In fact, one of the, epi- one of the cases that you and I talked about, Eric, um, during our weed thing, right. When Ohio lost its mind, um, they, they talk, they specifically mention hemp in the text of the case. Um, if I remember correctly, it's state versus Johnson. Um, and where they specifically talk about, you know, the difference between low, hemp, low THC hemp and actual weed and so there's some like a little bit of discussion about it but there's been a discussion forever about when we teach dogs to find a substance right like what are they finding um and like a funny story um we actually trained a bomb dog for a university um and the dog would give change of behavior on marijuana this is before it was uh, medical in oklahoma and uh you know like what do they use to grow marijuana they use ammonium nitrate and they spray that shit all over it and so the dog is like yo there's ammonium nitrate all over the weed but my handler was freaking out because the dog showed a change of behavior on weed i'm like it's so i was like what are you talking about and so there was ammonium nitrate all over the weed and he's like no it's not the weed it's the ammonium nitrate so inevitably what this conversation is more about kind of like at the thirty thousand foot view is and you know the pairing and of like unintentionally allowing dogs to find things on the road and live deployments. And then this additional question about what the difference between hemp and low THC hemp versus weed is. So Steve, like give me like the, like the knuckle dragger version of what's going on here. Sure. Yeah. For in layman's terms, what you, what everyone should be aware of is that both hemp and marijuana derive from the cannabis plant. Let's start there. They're both cannabis. So we should have the question in our minds if we have marijuana dogs and marijuana, like I'm in Texas, so marijuana is still illegal here. Like if illegal, hemp, illegal. I- illegal, yeah. So yeah, you like, could Like felony. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. not a felony. You know? It depends, right? It depends on how right. much. You, if you it's just, a concentrate, they they love the concentrate stuff. Well, that's, con- that's, that is true. Right. Yeah, if it's if a concentrate, ha- you're going to jail. <laughs> If you have an oil base uh, concentration of Delta 9 THC, then yes, it is a felony. So just kind of going back between the differences, legally speaking, uh, now 
hemp is considered cannabis that has less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC. And why is Delta 9 THC isolated? Because that's the hallucinogenic property in the marijuana. So the, the, the arguments of, you know, marijuana having some type of curative properties for ailments or diseases or whatever, which still studies are, you know, being done now to confirm or not confirm one of those things. But anyway, that that's legally speaking, that's the definition. Hemp is 0.3% or lower or less than 0.3% of Delta 9 THC. So the so question, go ahead. Does the Fed, do the Feds, because currently as of the 27th of December, 2023, marijuana is still a schedule one drug. Right. How do, how does the DEA, the feds differentiate between, and I, the only reason I ask this is because we had something happen here um, in Oklahoma about two years ago, which is kind of interesting, which I'll talk about later. Um, how do they differentiate between marijuana and hemp other than what's on the label? Okay. So first the states have adopted, every state have adopted what they're going to do with hemp. So in Texas, it's house bill 1325, which is right. in the agricultural code. But they, what they did was they just mimicked what the federal government already had put out in 2018. So they're the ones who gave that percentage and identified that as hemp. Uh, since the fed said, this is how we're going to identify hemp. I don't know a state that has adopted another definition of hemp. So for all intents and purposes in all 50 states, hemp is legal and defined the same way. There we go, which is about the only thing that the states can agree on with this. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the only thing you can agree on. Um, so it's not a Tenth Amendment issue. I guess hemp's not. So, um, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just so, wanted somebody asked me that yesterday and they're like, what's the difference between hemp and uh, marijuana? I'm like, the amount of THC. They're like, how do you measure it? And I'm like, that. Uh, Gas, grass, chromatograph. I don't, not, not, not on the field side. Not you can't do it on the side of the road. I know that. Like yeah. you're not going to measure that shit on the side of the road. So, yeah, yeah. So, and just to to make it clear, uh, CBD is a very popular item, right? The CBD oils. So, CBD oil is to hemp what THC oil is to marijuana. So, just to clarify, because I'm going to be throwing some terms out there, and I just want to let people know. Like when I say uh, hemp or CBD, we're talking about the same thing. It's just the CBD is the oil derivative and hemp would be the hemp flower. What, what marijuana bud would be in other words. Okay. Okay. All right. So it begs the question, if you have a marijuana trained dog, will he alert to hemp? That's a very, you know, very easy question. We all should be able to answer. I'll, I'll throw it to you guys. Have you had any experience with hemp and dogs alerting? Or have you heard stories of dogs alerting to hemp that were marijuana dogs? Well, it's funny you should ask that because that's the story I'm talking about. So in an undisclosed county in Oklahoma, yeah. there was a large shipment in a 53-foot tractor trailer mm -hmm. going from Colorado to another state. Now, Oklahoma has, um, in our infinite wisdom, we have um, permitting for fucking everything. We're not as bad as Arkansas, but um, we have a lot of like licenses for stuff. Um, within our medical marijuana code, we have a transporter's license. So these guys um, were transporting a giant trailer, 53 feet long, you know, a normal tractor trailer full of hemp um, east towards, um, I think, Tennessee, if I remember correctly. Anyway, they had to come through. They had to come through. I think it was they were on 412. 
which is a, a state highway coming through the northern section of Oklahoma. They were stopped and they had a, which is, this is the weird part. They had a private security armed private security um, car that was with dudes that were legally armed um, or regulated, all that other bullshit. They decided to run from the stop. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So it gets weird. Um, this department and agency chose to run dogs on the trailer. They got positive alerts on a trailer. They were then given the shipping man, or they'd already had the shipping manifest saying this is what we have, whatever else. Um, they, the dogs alerted to the trailer. There was other stuff in there other than just hemp. Um, and it may have been used as a, like a, a cover for trafficking. But the point is, um, hemp was used to disguise and or, it's the best way I can say this because it's kind of still ongoing, kind of disguise or to give a probable explanation as to why these dogs would alert. And it was more than one dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of like begs the question. Now, upon search, there was some other evidence that came came to light that kind of gave probable reason why like the dogs kind of showed a lot of interest in certain sections but the point is uh and dude's running and there's a whole other portion of it but initially it was we're transporting hemp there's no reason the dog because it's a legal substance we have our permits even our security chose to run with guns in the car uh from a traffic stop Jeez. uh <laughs> yeah they had you know they're former military too they should have known better um and not that military not big military so they should have known better at any rate um, yeah, there has been times where um, that's a notable story from here. And the only reason I know that one is because I was kind of involved in some of the people that were involved in that portion in the investigation, the roadside investigation. But yeah, it's happened. Um, initially, there was no explanation because it was full of hemp. But initially, after that, it came out of the fact. So I think you're about to tell us that dogs that train to marijuana will alert to hemp. Yeah, that, that's not the only story we've heard uh, okay. in the United States. There's another one. Um, man, I, I forget what state it is. In the Pacific Northwest, there was almost identical situation. You had an 18-wheeler traveling with hemp, dog alerts. They arrest the driver. The only thing in the car is hemp. And, of course, they had a, something. Uh, they, they went to court uh, over it. I'm pretty sure the department got sued over it. I don't know. It got litigated out, of course, because these things do. Um, but long story short, um, we had to answer that question. So let's start how how we do how we did that. So we put um, well, we got we got it with Florida International University and their forensic lab. And the first thing we had to do is analyze hemp and analyze marijuana. And what they tried to do is figure out, OK, what's truly different when you lower the THC, the Delta 9 THC, what else is happening chemically to the to the hemp product that may give us an idea of what the dogs, if they can discern between the two, what they may be isolating in order to have success in differentiating between the two. So when they did that uh, analysis, one of the things they recognized right away is that although legally speaking, Delta 9 THC is the thing that makes the difference between hemp and marijuana, the vapor pressure or the strength of Delta 9 THC is so low that it was under the threshold of any dog, which means the dog is not going to figure out hemp versus marijuana utilizing uh, Delta 9 THC. 
So we thought we were going to have a problem because legally speaking, that's the difference. So what we did was we got 24 dogs from three different states as a kind of a, our first group. I had the Texas group. There was two groups out of Tennessee and a group out of Georgia. And then what we did was we did kind of a, a blind study. Of course, the control was that the dogs needed to be responding to marijuana. So we had DEA marijuana dogs show that they could alert to marijuana. We had a lineup of about five odors. Some of them were blank. Some of them had distractors. Some, and, uh, and there was a hemp product in each one of these. Um, I think it was like eight different testing areas at first. And I'll bore you, I'll, I won't bore you with all the details, but this is what you need to know. And of course, the study will kind of mimic this or uh, in its own words, say the same thing that about 80% of the dogs out of the 24 hit or alerted to about 80% of the hemp products. So what did that tell us? Indeed, the dogs were generalizing hemp as marijuana. So that came to no surprise because we teach these dogs to generalize. We teach them to generalize crack cocaine and powder cocaine. <clears throat> And right. we tell them, although there's cutting agents there that, that have really high vapor pressure, we want you to focus on the commonalities, the, the things that are general in both, which in the, in the example of cocaine is methylbenzoid. So we know that we have, there's extensive studies specifically well, through FIU. You being an explosive handler know that RDX mm -hmm. is a base for a lot of other explosive. I don't know the exact number. I can't remember off the top of my head, but the RDX yeah. base is... Which is why the reason we use that one first, well, not first, but early on in the process. So they'll alert to RDX, they'll alert to, they'll show interest in a lot of other tertiary explosives. Yeah, yeah for, for explosives, and one of the reasons why we imprint our dogs on A5 is because it has a higher concentration of the, of the target odor on RDX and C4. So that's, you know, kind of going off topic there, but yes. Uh, yeah. All right, so... We recognize that the dogs are generalizing, just like we've asked them to do their whole lives. We had dogs of all different breeds, all different ages, you know, females and males didn't matter. All across the board, we saw a, a gross generalization of hemp and marijuana. So now it's the oh shit moment. Like, okay, here we go. We figured we had a problem, but now we know we have a problem. So now the question is, okay, now can we teach these dogs to discriminate between the two? And before I move on, it's worth mentioning that one dog out of Georgia, out of Gwinnett County, Georgia, uh, the handler is Jason Cotton. His dog was the only dog who did not alert to any hemp products, which right away should tell you, even though that's anecdotal, because it's just one, uh, you, you may say it's just one off out of 24. There was still a dog who was so specific and so narrow about what he thought marijuana was that he did not alert to any of the eight hemp samples that he was exposed to the first time. So that's good news for the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, so we know it's possible without prior training, uh, but not likely. So we developed um, a program, a, a training program to see these 24 dogs that were involved in the study, whether or basically we had to agree on how we were going to do it. Because as you guys know, you get two or three trainers in a room and have them agree on almost anything is hard. Uh, but the good thing is uh, myself, Paul Curtis from Tennessee, Bob Suarez from Tennessee, and Jason Cotton from Georgia, we're, we're all trained together. So we all kind of knew each other. We knew the philosophy behind training. We understood what we wanted to do. So we, we all had the same pieces of equipment, which was vital in this situation. We'll kind of get to that. So basically what we decided to do, and uh, with FIU's approval, is isolate each one of these odors 
using uh, 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 what we call the fence box, which is a, a high density polyethylene uh, basic. Uh, it's a delivery system for odor and a delivery system for a reward. So I don't know if you guys ever heard of the court system. Uh, Sniff Industries was the, is the provider of those boxes. Um, they were at hits with you guys. I was actually helping Paul um, kind of show what that what that piece of apparatus does and why it makes sense to use it in a scientific um, case study because of all the things it does and it, it takes the handler completely out of the of the whole process of the training. So in Knox County, Tennessee, has sixteen of my dogs and they're all on those boxes. So you yeah. know you know yeah. them very well then. Yeah. So, yeah, so shout out to Paul for for being able to uh, produce all of those and, and we're able to utilize it. And we 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 really think we had this level of success as quick as we did because we're able to utilize a piece of equipment to isolate the odors. We had no issue with, um, you know, odors coming over to to another, you know, then you have issues with uh, contamination. So anyway, so get, getting back to what we ended up doing, we, we took those eight hemp samples that were originally given to us. And by the way, like I said before, they were tested in the lab. They were analyzed to be truly hemp. Uh, it's worth mentioning because we alone in this area, Dallas-Fort Worth area, we went to a bunch of places like gas stations and hemp places. It probably doesn't surprise anybody, but a lot of the stuff they're selling is actually not hemp. It is legally speaking marijuana. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. You don't say. Yeah. So But the label the, says hemp. Yeah, yeah. And it's not it's not being uh, analyzed by anybody but an internal source, of course. So why would they lie? No yeah, it's way. crazy. Yeah, it's like money is the root of all <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. So we we recognize the importance of getting genuine hemp samples. And I, I will shout out the location that we get to later on because I don't have it in front of me. Maybe we can do it in like the, the notes of, of the program. Um, but a place in, I think it's Oregon, uh, they were the only place that had a third party lab test when they sold you something. Uh, so they had no, no skin in the game whatsoever. If it failed, they wanted to know it failed to make sure that they were staying legally within the bounds of what they could grow. So uh even now we still do business with them and we still confirm the lab sheet with FIU's uh, lab just to confirm one way or the other. But all right. So we get these dogs in and uh, we recognize that some of the dogs after the first exposure to hemp. And by the way, we didn't, we didn't allow the dogs to get paid for the hemp, even in the case study when we didn't know where it was, the fact that the dogs did not get paid for the hemp. And we ended the study with the dogs getting paid on marijuana again, the next time they were introduced to hemp, which was actually when we started the study, some of the dogs were already ignoring hemp after one exposure and recognizing they didn't get paid for it. So the dogs that are really, really good at recognizing, or you would say generalizing versus discriminating, the dogs that could discriminate rather well picked up on it really, really quick. I would say after three or four passes on hemp and not getting paid for it and then getting paid for the marijuana, they recognized pretty quickly that there was a difference there and they were focusing on the differences as opposed to the similarities. So the original study, it took us about six months because we wanted to throw the gauntlet at these dogs, hemp seeds, CBD oils, hemp um, in all different forms. And what we found that the only thing the dogs ever generalize as hemp uh, 
uh, as marijuana would be the hemp flower. So there's no need to put your dog on CBD oil, anything that's processed in any kind of way. Um, there's no generalization happening with the dog. So just to kind of recap, the dogs are not picking up on the Delta 9 THC. So in initially, one of the thoughts were similar to like currency dogs. Why don't we just increase the threshold of an odor and say when you reach this threshold of that odor, that amount of odor, you can alert. But anything less than that amount, you don't have to. Initially, that's what we thought we were going to do. But once we recognize that it's not available to the dog, then we realize that there's something else that's happening. So here's the weird part. We actually still don't know exactly what the dog is isolating to have success in the problem of hemp versus marijuana. But we know that they're doing it and at such a ridiculous rate that most recently we put 18 hemp samples in front of these dogs and they're generalizing hemp as its own category now. So they recognize it as hemp once they're taught and they will still alert to marijuana. So after we took our group of 24, one of the things that we wanted to do was take a group in the United States that we've never worked with. We don't know anything about their background. We don't know anything about their handlers, their trainers, nothing. So we went to Wisconsin uh, this year and we took 43 dogs that we've never met before. And we're able to certify these dogs on hemp versus marijuana in two days and with a hundred percent success rate. So we know that it can happen. It's not just a one-off. Now we're talking about hundreds of dogs have been through uh, a form of this study. Uh, so questions? So is it like a, a form of, because, you know, <clears throat> regardless of what we're doing with detection work, when we're, we're teaching them to find whatever, right? Bed bugs, narcotics, explosives, whatever it is, <clears throat> we're making an odor that doesn't mean anything meaning a meaningless odor meaningful, right? We're, yep. we're attaching meaning to a specific odor. So, which, you know, when, during my handler shows, I talked to my handlers a lot about like proofing dogs off of whatever else. And like in the early phases of imprinting, even at my kennel, they are shown tobacco, like, unless going to a correctional facility, mm -hmm. um, they are shown tobacco, over and over and over and over and over again. Like this is the point where they show aversion to tobacco to the point where they're like, ah, shit, I've smelled this a thousand times. I'm not going to get paid for it. I don't care. I'm don't worry about it. And so <clears throat> is it that hemp and weed, because they're both part of the marijuana plant yeah. are so closely related that the dogs now, because everybody tells a story, right? Everybody's heard Kenny lick lighters deal. Um, about like the dog walks into the room and you're cooking stew and he smells the onions and he smells this and he smells that. And I've heard 900 versions about how that's wrong and 900 <laughs> versions about how that's right. And I love Kenny. Um, Kenny, if you hear this, I love you. Um, but and, it, I mean, is it that the dogs are generalizing? They're like, yo, it's close enough. Like it might work. But then upon some specific training, they're like, it's not close enough to get paid. And like you said, they can then generalize the difference between the two. Right. So I, what we are recognizing is, is the longer we do this and the more dogs we get to the study is that every dog is unique in what it believes marijuana to be. So let me give you an example of why we strongly believe that. And uh, it actually speaks against um, conventional science at the moment. So I'm not going to name who, but I've had very... Uh, not heated discussions, but I, I've, I think productive discussions with the scientists known, very well known in our industry. Um, 
And he believes that every dog, when exposed to a sample, let's say hem, uh, marijuana, uh, that it is going to perceive marijuana the same. This is why we know that that's true. I told you we put 24 dogs into the study. Every single one of those dogs were already on the street and already had marijuana hides or fines and were already certified on marijuana. Um, my group specifically were all uh, in, uh, imprinted on DEA marijuana that I had. You would think if that was true, that they would also respond to the same hemp samples if that's the truth. You follow me? Right. That could not be further from the truth. So what we recognize was that when dog number one is uh, given hemp, uh, marijuana sample one, that it is taking and isolating certain odors of marijuana and saying, this is what marijuana is made out of. But when dog number two gets that same sample, he may be taking different elements of that marijuana and saying, this is what pays me. This is what marijuana is. And because you have two different dogs introduced to the same hemp sample it, or marijuana sample, excuse me, it makes sense that they were alerting to different hemp samples when the first time they were introduced to it because they had a different perception of what marijuana was. Going back to Jason's dog, the dog that didn't alert to any hemp samples, he was really, really specific on what he wanted. We do, I wish we could talk to the dog and he can talk to us back about why you didn't alert to the hemp samples. Um, but we know it's possible. When we were in Wisconsin, there was, an, there was another dog uh, out of the 43 that also didn't hit on any of the hemp samples. So we know those dogs are out there. Um, as a precaution, we can't just take that because the, the numbers don't fall in our favor, right? Even at 70%, you would want, you would want to see at least 70% success rate that 70% of the dogs just don't hit to hemp. That's just not the truth. The truth is that about 80% of the dogs will, um, but all of them, every single one that we've had our hands on, a police dog at least, um, has been able to discriminate between the two through their very specific process using specific hemp odors. Now, we, we started with eight, and it was because it was a very broad spectrum of hemp. We wanted to see if there was uh, any correlation between different strains of hemp, and maybe this strain was more likely for the dogs to alert. Now, I would say there was small correlation, but not enough where we can say, absolutely, this is what you need to focus on. So, so instead, what we're doing is we're introducing that same uh, group of hemp products, the broad spectrum of hemp. And we strongly believe that if you teach the dog to uh, essentially use it as a distractor and teach them not to alert to that, that when they get a hemp product they've never been exposed to, they'll generalize that as hemp and not alert. There's something similar to this came up during the uh, <clears throat> like the early two or like the mid like the late two thousands, I think, um, with money and drugs. So the U.S. Treasury Department published that study where they said that X number of you know bills that are in circulation. Um, have traces of cocaine heroin like drugs on it above a certain current i don't remember what the domination is but at any rate at any bill that's in circulation has got money on it's got drugs on it with enough concentration of bills meaning you have a ton of it like dog will alert because there's enough odor um that doesn't necessarily mean that that money was involved in illicit activity 
but it's been in circulation. So it's had contact to it. So, and just today I saw a post somewhere about a guy like, Hey, I want to proof my dog off of clean money. Um, and people are giving advice, you know, contact the treasury department, send you a bunch of shredded shit. And I actually have shredded money at the kennel. Um, that is clean that we got from the treasury department. They send it to you, they shred it up and they send it to you that they know. Um, and it's not actually money. It's well, it is, but it's like stuff that's like misprinted or whatever else. And they shred it up and they send it to you. So you can proof dogs off of money. Um, so we expose them to that early on, but it's a similar like thing, right? Cause it's a, like, it's a parent, it's a tangent odor. Uh, so it, it's an interesting like conversation. So when I heard about this interview <laughs> And I started like kind of thinking about it and kind of talking to some of the people that are in my circle that are close to me. Uh, they were like, you know, well, what are they training with? What are they finding? Do they know what they're finding? Do they know what they're training with? And I'm like, yo, I don't know. Like, <laughs> This is all like, I don't know. I haven't even talked to Steve yet. So like, yeah. give me a second. So like kind of talk about that a little bit. So you had the one dog that's like, yo, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I, I, he understood the difference intimately mm -hmm. immediately and what was the difference in that dog and it had to do and it wasn't handling it had to do with i am sure it had to do with how the handler set up fines during training or imprinting or something there had to have been something that they had to some some way that that dog immediately knew the difference well you, you we know there's study well i'm going to hit on what you just said and then i'm going to answer the question the 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 question about money or currency uh, being contaminated with drugs uh, was, I think it was the late 90s, early 2000s. I, I can't yeah. remember when that came out, but it was rebutted by Dr. Furton from FIU, who said the reason why a drug dog would alert to money is only if it's been in recent contact with uh, drugs. So I don't know if I said that correctly. Let me say it again. The only reason why a dog would alert to currency is if it had been recently in contact with drugs. So a regular drug dog currency that had not been recently in contact with uh, drugs or illicit drugs or, you know, something that the dog's trained to alert to would not alert to the currency because of the threshold. It didn't meet the threshold of the dog. So you're talking about like a parts per trillion. And we right. know most dogs are like parts per billion. And we so with all that research, we understood that there are certain dogs that could do it. But the majority of the, of the dogs are parts per billion dogs, not parts per trillion. Therefore, they're not going to hit on that currency. So it's an interesting story because a good friend of mine who refuses to come on the podcast um, is a federal defense attorney, um, semi-local, well, local to here. Um, and he's had several cases that involve this. And that was one that the AUSA was really adamant about. It's like the money is, is involved because the dog and they cited this thing specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so and... <sighs> I wish he would come on to the podcast and because he's hilarious for one, but he's an extremely talented attorney. And he's like, you know what? Come with me for a second. And he pulls the U S martial out into the federal courthouse uh, atrium and they go, cause there's also a post office and other stuff. He pulls out um, a lot of money out of an ATM goes back in and they do this whole dog and pony show. And the handler says, you know, if you know, the dog won't alert to this, um, because, and the judge, a federal judge allows this to happen. And the dog sure as shit in the middle of court alerts to, um, or not, they did it on video. They did somewhere else and did it on video, but they allowed the dog to sniff and Rob's like, you know, Rob's like, I'm not a drug dealer. And the dog alerted to the money that I pulled out of an ATM. Hmm. 
And there was other things. There was other distracting odors in other of the boxes, right? And it's the same dog that's in question, whatever else. And so it's one of those cases, you know, U.S. versus 420,000, whatever, you know, one of those. Right, yeah. It's one of those. So, and, you know, obviously it's easy to like poke holes in that kind of shit. But, and the U.S. currency study does say X, Y, and Z because there it is contaminated because it has... Uh, and everyone knows money is not actually paper, so they do have some absorption or whatever else. It's not like the, it's not like uh, like Europe where the money is like fucking plastic or whatever right. the fuck it is. It's something weird, but um, yeah, it, it come it has recently come in contact with it. But it, it's an interesting it's an interesting because there is still to this. Like I said today, I asked somebody asked me about it. Should I proof my dog off of clean money? I'm like, well, I mean. There's no law that says that you can't carry on a bunch of cast as Floyd Mayweather. I mean, but like, there is no law against it, but it does look weird. But I mean, so in one hand, I understand what's going on. On the other hand, I definitely, and it, it falls back to documentation and how it's trained. And then, then do you want someone to come in and ask the question? <laughs> yeah. hundred uh, percent. All of our dogs yeah. are trained uh, to prove that they do not alert to circulated and uncirculated currency from the U.S. Treasury. Uh, we work a lot with the DEA, so we do seize a lot of money. They put that in um, that and the hemp versus marijuana stuff. They'll put it in their in their warrants that the dog not only does this, right? Not only is he a drug dog that uh, that smells out these odors, but he also does not alert to money and also does not alert to hemp. And that's really important for the judges signing this is have a lot of confidence that, okay, now this is the nexus uh, to money that we're looking for. A lot of times we'll seize phones and stuff like that. And, you know, after we see the phone, that's the ultimate and, nexus. And it's an interesting conversation because Florida versus Harris kind of tells us, right, we have to certify and you can be a hundred percent reliable in certifications and be upwards of 90, whatever, a lot of high percentage in the field. Um, but then it makes your records discoverable. So it, it always interests me to see if people are doing this in training and how they're documenting, because there's no certification. There's no anti-certification. There's no certification that says this dog will walk marijuana in the presence of marijuana. He will not show a change of behavior or will walk a parent odor or whatever. Um, it's literally just, do we have a positive indication of change of behavior? And does it handle or recognize the change of behavior on in specific odor in a blind test and a single so blind test? So I'll say this, uh, that's probably the majority of right. the third party organizations. Right. I can tell you, I'm the law enforcement secretary for the American Working Dog Association. And because I am and because of my mind, and I'm always thinking about what's going to be upheld in court. If you have a non marijuana dog and you want to certify through the American Working Dog Association or AWDA, uh, you must go into uh, the marijuana room or be exposed to that. And in the comments, the instructor or the evaluator, if you will, will say the dog did not alert to marijuana. So although there's not, you're not certifying to that per se, you kind of are because it, it is part of your certification to show that the dog did not alert to marijuana. And I have guys fight me all the time to say, I can't go into that room where you say marijuana is because I have a non-marijuana dog. I'm like, well, this yeah. is the time for you to prove it. <laughs> Tell me when you find meth and you don't, well, user amounts of meth and don't find weed also. Yeah. So it's, it's, <laughs> it goes back to training records. And I know we kind of got off topic, but yeah. uh, training records, training records, training records. What can you prove? What, what, what's been documented? If it's not documented, it didn't happen. Uh, so we have a list of distractors that are, are three pages long. Uh, that the dogs are exposed to every Tuesday. 
and uh, we'll mix them up. We'll get fresh ones. And uh, just, just real quick, just think about it this way. Uh, our dogs are being looked at as sensors every year. Uh, we get closer to them being looked at as biosensors. And every sensor in this world needs a calibration. And we utilize that as a calibration, that this is what the dog is supposed to alert to, and he does. And this is what he's not supposed to alert to, and he doesn't. And uh, that's an every Tuesday thing for us. We start with that foundation to confirm that the dogs, because, you know, real deployments, you pay your dog. You have no idea what inference he may be making on maybe there's something else in that car I get a, that I get paid for, right? Although there was marijuana or though there was Coke or meth or heroin or ecstasy, maybe there was something else with the higher vapor pressure. The dog also smelled that he makes an inference that, oh, I just learned a new odor I get paid for. We always have that in the back of our mind. So how do we negate that? In our training, we expose our dogs to a bunch of negatives. See, in my in-service, I just lie to my handlers. They all have to go single blind no matter what. So with the few exceptions of some like specific things, and we always pick something stupid to put out that is yeah. completely like, it's like, like moat, like axle grease and yeah. like cigarette, it's just stupid shit every week. And then after the fact, I tell them, I'm like, Oh, so when you're putting these in your records, like you also had exposure to this with no change of behavior. They're like, what, where was that? And I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> the dog, I tell him where it is, but I'm like, he didn't show a change of behavior. So it doesn't matter. But so we do that with random shit all the time. So when's the study coming out? When's the sky going to fall? That's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, it's, that's not up to me. If it was up to me, it would have came out a year ago. Uh, but the truth is I have to be patient and I'm not a very patient person. Once I see these things, and I know the, the importance that this study is for the industry because the defense attorneys are going to look at this and say, okay, here we go. Uh, by the way, yeah. just, 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 just a very real situation that happened not too long ago in Wisconsin. And this is one of the reasons why they asked us to go up there was they had a case that had nothing to do with marijuana. I think it was like a meth case and a crap ton of meth. And the defense attorney picked up on the fact that the dog had no training records that indicated that it was proofed off of hemp. And it came into question and said, well, we know that there was hemp in my clients, uh, in his car at the time of the stop. And it was notated, it was on the body camera and everything. So what the defense was saying was that your dog actually alerted to the hemp and then pulled some good information, which would be, hey, what was more available to the dog? The, um, the meth that was in the trunk or the fact that your dog alerted to the front seam of the car where the hemp was? It was much closer. The vapor pressure is going to be higher, maybe or maybe not. Um, but that's what their defense was. And... It got to the point where they thought they were going to take it to the Supreme Court, the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And um, they contacted us and asked us about the study. And we said, well, look, um, the truth is, unless the dog gets exposed to the training, there's a high probability that the dog would generalize. So they ended up settling that case. But in Wisconsin specifically, these defense attorneys have been very savvy to this fact. And uh, when we went to the Wisconsin Law Enforcement Canine Association um, conference, that's where we did all this, um, that story was told over and over and over again by handlers all over the state that they were getting cases either thrown out or settled because they didn't have an answer to the hemp versus marijuana question. So the case you're talking about is uh, State versus Moore. Uh, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin, it was published in June 20th, 2023. Um, they specifically mentioned that, and then they link a bunch of cases from North Carolina. Although in... 
the episode we did that is going to be before this one with Eric and I just talking, there was a case from, and I think it's State versus Hall, which went to <clears throat> the state Supreme Court in Ohio that had the exact, it wasn't the similar fact pattern, but there was a similar argument made um, about hemp and, C- and CBD uh, or hemp versus and CBD versus like whatever else. And the Ohio State Supreme Court went the other direction and they found in favor of law enforcement. They're like, you still have probable cause to enter the vehicle. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so state versus more, if you're listening to this, like I'm, I'll send the notes to Logan and we can put those in there. I'll send the actual link to it, but a state versus more, um, it was published in June, 2023. Um, and I think there's another one too, right. Um, from Wisconsin. I don't know if it, it's state versus Seacrest. I don't know if it's the same, if it has a CBD thing, but it's the, the one of the two that involve weed with dogs um, for like post like semi regulation for weed. So yeah, if you're listening, Wisconsin state versus what should we call it? What did I just say? State versus more, more. No, that's Ohio. Yeah. State versus more for Wisconsin. All right, so before we take a nice commercial break, I got one question based off of our last episode. So at any point with any of the dogs, when you're trying to keep them from alerting on hemp, did you, blast them at 127 on a dog trait e-collar oh, fuck is that your way of t- training them whatsoever no no that that goes without saying that that would be counterproductive on many yeah. levels well you do there's a bunch of people in ohio now you say that officers that are dog trainers or vendors that are dog trainers have convinced the local populace the the brass and the and the um legal side that they can unimprint the dog on weed and they just oh my God. put the put the weed in a car or a box and then they just smoke them on an e-collar and then wonder why the dog won't sniff anything it's ridiculous. yeah anymore. yeah what he got blasted for was not the odor i'm sure i'm positive that, had well, everything <laughs> else was what in the he, dog's mind he got blasted for you're not privy to the conversation that eric and i had in the previous interview but i the question that i posed was does the dog understand he's being corrected for that because he has a like multi-year and multi-thousand like time reward history of being rewarded on marijuana and then all of a sudden he's not so are we correcting him for searching or like he doesn't understand why he's being blasted so and I'm all of a sudden they're the like same, he won't search right i'm gonna say the same thing that i did in that that episode if you are a supervisor and your trainer tells you he can unimprint the dogs on marijuana fire him if you uh, use a vendor and the vendor says, bring your dogs back to me for $5,000, I will unimprint him on marijuana. You need to void your contract with that guy and fire him as your vendor. That's an Those oddly specific number. have no business, zero business whatsoever being in this line of work. Period. Period. I know people who are listening to this who know me very well who have done it. And I'm telling you guys. You should not be dog trainers. You should not be in this business. You should shut your mouth. You should go back to your patrol shift and fucking flag disorderly conduct calls because you got no business doing the shit that we're doing. Get the fuck out of here. Anyways, I'm a little pissed off about that still. So we're going to go ahead and take our second commercial break. and we come back, we're going to um, talk to Steven about uh, Next Level Canine Texas and uh, kind of what they're doing, what they offer, and uh, some things like that. So Stick around. We'll be right back. All right. Some of our oldest sponsors are the Pergasons down in North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. We love those folks. We see them everywhere. All the stuff that we do, we go to. We have a good time with them. 
but the fact is they're really good dog trainers. They're really good dog people. They got full courses, uh, in person and online. They got a trainer, uh, dog trainers course, uh, that you can go down there and learn how to train working dogs, uh, pet dogs, everything. Uh, they do a lot of business stuff on there. Um, but one of the best things they have is an online supervisor course. The course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs, handlers, proper deployment, and FLSA issues. 30% off with that with a discount code WDR30. Great people down there. They know their stuff. Uh, TacticalPoliceK9Training.com is the website. TacticalPoliceK9Training.com. WDR30 for 30% off the online supervisor's course. Guys, you need to get on there and check them out. They are great. Highland Canine Training. Don't miss out. One of the longtime sponsors of the show is Dr. Eric and I are actually both field staff guys. So uh, Dr. has been committed for over 20 years to crafting training college to perfect precise fit and finish and intuitive design and, account and accountable performance. The 1900 SE collar demonstrates what they strive for, which is an ultimate dog training tool that is durable, dependable, and designed for the most demanding conditions. And I actually use this thing at the kennel. They have the new black one that has the lock and the boost feature on it as well, as well as the hands-free, which we use a ton. If you guys follow me on social media, you see that I use that during tracking. We do that negative reinforcement trick, which is what the, is the collar that we're using. The other thing is the YS600. So funny fact, it stands for yo, shut up. The number of times that you won't have to say it because it works every time. So use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. And of course, they also have the popper and the dropper, which I think I have five of that can I use all the time. So hit them up, dogtra.com, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. It's no secret that Eric and I love Ray Allen Canine Equipment. We use their products every single day. The mission statement says it all. To be a world leader in quality and innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport. To exceed our customers' expectations and to deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe they held true to that since it's our go-to one-stop shop for everything. Like, they literally have everything but the dog, the handler, and the patrol vehicle. Everything else, they got. They got it covered. So hit them up at Ray Allen dot com at ray allen canine on the socials they got a new training app and they got new product collaborations oh and we have a new discount code ram wdr like ram r-a-m wdr like working dog radio ram wdr for 10 percent off hit them up ray allen.com it's no secret that i love my alm suit from arno out at alm canine equipment in sunny las vegas nevada I've had that thing forever. Eric affectionately refers to it as my Carhartt suit because it's so thin. <laughs> uh, I've had multiple sleeves put back on it, send it back to Arno. He fixes me up every single time. The fit and finish is top notch, and it fits me like a glove. I refuse to go anywhere without it. I work sport dogs and PSA without it. I just did a trial in California wore that thing. I work police dogs pretty much every day of the week, and then I use it for personal protection dogs as well. So hit ALM canine equipment up on Instagram and Facebook, and then go to AL. M K nine letter K number nine equipment.com and use the discount code W D radio for 10% off of your first order. And this is completely custom. So made to measure, pick your colors, whatever you want to do. Arno will work with you. You can make it as thin or as thick as you want, but hit them up. ALM K nine equipment.com. Dreamed of having your own kennel, but don't know where to start. Horizon structures has taken all of the guesswork out of building a kennel. Everything is pre-built to your specifications and preferences and then assembled and dropped off on your land. Boom, new kennel. 
hooked up to your electric, hooked up to your water, put dogs in it that day. And those things are amazing. You've got to see them to truly believe them. Get on the website, horizonstructures.com. You can custom build. You can buy one that's already built. Go off of their design. Come up with your own design. They'll work with you. Uh, they always are running discounts on the website with ready-to-go kennels. The kennels are already ready to go. There's always discounts. Horizonstructures.com. Check them out. All right, everybody. We are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite with Stephen Antomarchi from Next Te- Level Te- Canine Texas down there yeah. in McKinney area. Um, and with me, as always, is Ted from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We just had a very interesting segment number two um, about an, uh, the study that I'm going to say was just released. <laughs> We're speaking in the future, but yeah. um, and how they mitigated uh that and and we're honest you know with the results and and didn't skew it because you know here here him and the guys that were doing the the uh testing were cops or are cops mm-hmm. so it's it, you know that and before we do this next segment i while during the break i was kind of scanning through some of the cases um ironically enough north carolina i don't know why um, i'm sure there's a reason if you're in north carolina you DM me and tell me why, but North Carolina has a shit ton of cases specifically about this. And they have, and Steve, do you know why they are the forefront on this whole like hemp versus weed thing? Yeah. So it's a great conversation oh, you do know. I had with uh, Mike Kamisic about this. Perfect. Uh, so there's like 17, not seven, there's like nine cases like that are come from North Carolina that are like, Hemp and weed are not the same thing. So what's the deal? So their Fraternal Order of Police or the FOP or PBA, whoever that organization falls on there, right? Where the guys are, it's a union of some kind, right? Their head of the union put out a statement to all the law enforcement officers within that union stating that there was no difference between hemp and marijuana and thus the dogs could not discern between the two. They did that without any scientific research, without without anything backing that statement. So the whole state took that as gospel and has now uh, really screwed themselves and put themselves behind because of that. I would like to say that that was probably way too soon to make a a judgment like that. And I, I get the spirit of what they were trying to do was, hey, we need to be mindful of this because we need to cover ourselves legally. So we're gonna make this statement and get ahead of this. Uh, but there was no scientific study behind it. So well, I'm just, and gonna, I'm looking at the case list in front of me for everything in the country at the state level and at the federal level and New Hampshire or North Carolina has eight cases that specifically mentioned with dogs that specifically mentioned this that we're talking about. And it is more than every other state votes, regardless of the decision that the court went for like suppression or admission. Like it is a fundamental flaw in, and I can see how it happened. I mean, I mean, kind of like reading the case notes on some of these, I'm like, okay, (laughs) they had some insight from the FOP. Well, not the FOP, whatever, whoever it is. So yeah, it's, it's sad, honestly, because uh, what we tend to do in law enforcement is we have to knee jerk reaction a lot of times and we're jumping, right. we jump to conclusions. I think ultimately, I think that's what happened there. The good news is, you know, by this time this is airing, the study would have been out. The proof would be there. Uh, I don't know of any other study that had this many dogs go through it and, and attacked all these variables as much as we did. 
Um, we had actual police dogs do this, not in a controlled environment in a scientific room somewhere with nobody there and it being double blind and you only can do it in a controlled environment. Not only did we do it in, you know, in the process and then we did it, but we had situations where we had hundreds and hundreds of pounds in a vehicle and we introduced the dog to the hemp in an operational setting, right? Vehicle sniffs. The dog did a great job of ignoring it. And then we took it a step further. What we did was we put marijuana and hemp in a vehicle. We put hemp in the trunk of the vehicle, a large amount. I want to say it was about 50 pounds and less than an ounce of marijuana in the center console. And we opened up the whole uh, after dog after the dog initial alert, which is actually closer to the front of the vehicle. Um, we opened the doors up, including the trunk, put the dog in the trunk. He sniffed the crap out of everything, ignored the hemp. As soon as he got to the marijuana, smashed the marijuana and got paid for it. So those are the can, operational things we're looking for. I can totally fucking appreciate that rather than the clean. And I'm not knocking the fucking science, the, the spinny odor wheel from Simon Prince or any of those yeah, dudes. Right. I'm not knocking that shit at all. Like it is because it's super cool, right? Like it's cool and like I get it and I understand what it's for, but the dirty and I don't that's not the right word to use, but the dirty the dirty science of like fuck it, we know these dogs have already been certified on marijuana. Probably all of them have were successful with actual street fines. Mm-hmm in prosecution with marijuana right so we understand like there's not an efficacy problem here right so we understand that the dogs have been successfully imprinted deployed and documented success in the field in actual operational deployments they're not pulling fucking street dogs out of the like out of the pound right so we have a a real sample population and i can totally I can totally appreciate the like the dirty science and you're like, you know what? We're going to make him pick. It's a competing motivator problem. Which one do you want more? And you have 50 pounds of one or you have an ounce of the other. Let me know. And the dog's like, you know what? <laughs> so I can that's something I can completely wrap my head around now. Scientifically, I'm not going to go into like that shit because they're fucking dudes with PhDs after them. They'll be like, you can't do that. It's not valid and whatever else. And I'm like, but operationally. We, you would have to do it in a controlled environment first yeah. to show, to show, excuse me, proof of concept. Once we showed the proof of concept, we went into operational readiness. And for us, if you're going to have a bunch of police officers take on a study like this, we need to see what you're calling the dirty science, right? We need to yeah. see it actually work in rooms, actually work in a different uh, settings that the dog will actually work in that he's already seen before. It's one thing to do it on boxes again to show to show proof of concept. Um, but a very different when you uh, completely saturate a small room with hemp and you have a very small marijuana fine and the dog is hitting on the marijuana exactly where the marijuana is. For us as police officers, that's the burden of proof that we want to show. The science, um, I, ha- I have to say this, working with FIU, they knew who, um, you know, what our motivation was and they allowed us to, to kind of do anything we wanted operationally and said, make se- do what you believe makes sense and what's going to bring uh, validation to the to the study in its entirety. So I'm, I'm so really happy about that. Let's get out ahead of this for everyone listening to this, because we're going to this is going to be released like pretty soon with the study. So with so if you're listening to this, Steve, tell everybody where and how they should procure actual hemp. <laughs> that is not going to test positive 
as marijuana yeah. and then integrating that into training records so that they're already out ahead of this. Yeah. Cause I so, think if you're already deployed and you're running a dog in a marijuana in a, in a medical state or in a completely like Texas or like a restrictive state or wherever it's at, like, even if you're not, if you're running an interdiction team and you're in a state that like in Oklahoma, regardless, if you need to proof off of this, where do we, and how do we do this to ensure? Cause I think the how is pretty straightforward. Um, but where do we do this? And then the documentation side to get ahead of this, because I know that there's going to be some attorneys going to see this. They're like, ah, bitch, we got you now. <laughs> and no, we're not doing that. So. Yeah. That, that's the beautiful thing about taking your time with this. And uh, even though that, that again, I'll just tell on myself, I wanted this to come out a year or two ago. Uh, this is the, this is the, the problem, if you will. And here's the solution. The solution is simple. Number one, the place that we recommend, and I have to say, I have to separate, separate myself from FIU because they can't make this recommendation. So this is just Steve talking to people is, uh, fields of hemp in Oregon. If you go to fields of hemp in Oregon, and hopefully we'll have a link for everybody to go to specifically, they have a law enforcement website that you can go to and purchase eight hemp samples, the same eight hemp samples are a broad form of hemp that we introduce their dogs to. We have proven over and over again that if you can teach your dog to ignore these eight hemp samples, the likelihood of hitting on any hemp is almost zero. Um, so there's there's the first part of the question. Where should they get it? I only have one place that, um, that over three years had been consistent in the way they procure everything, the way they test it. Um, very law enforcement friendly, even the way they're packaging it is in glass that has a cover to it. So, um, no UV, uh, light can get in and do anything to that sample of hemp. So they're packaging it specifically for law enforcement. Uh, ironically, they're calling it the next level canine hemp package. I have no, nothing to do with that, by the way, that was just the name they decided to come up with. I will put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, <laughs> so that everybody can buy it. So the other, the other thing is, and really, really important is certification because we were a part of the study. We were able to go to the American working dog association and say, Hey, this is coming up. Guys need a solution. They need a third party organization that's willing to have a certification that they could have, or the guys can uh, at least try to get and get certified on specific hemp versus marijuana. So AWDA, which I mentioned before, American Working Dog Association, right now, this second, has the only hemp versus marijuana certification in the nation. So what you can do then is find an evaluator in your state, and they'll have the eight hemp samples already, and you'll do your narcotic certification with hemp involved in every single part of that certification. If your dog ignores all the hemp products, then you will get a hemp versus marijuana certification on top of your narcotic certification. So that, that was at least a year in the making to make sure that all parties involved um, understood the science, um, accepted it, and were willing to put their name on it. All right. That's pretty, that's really cool. Um, we'll put that yeah. place in the uh, show notes. Uh, they're probably going to get inundated with orders, but that's good. Um, <laughs> so tell me about the, the company, your business, Next Level Canine Texas. Sure. Yeah, we don't provide dogs. Uh, I have to say that multiple times because a lot of agencies will hear the name and they're like, oh, there's a local canine trainer who does police dogs. I do not uh, provide dogs. I train dogs. 
Um, the Dallas Fort Worth area is, uh, been very good to me and my company. Uh, we are going to provide not only maintenance training, uh, but we're going to help with the certification process. We're going to help with, we just did a mock trial where all of our guys were put on a stand and asked to defend an actual case that they were involved with something I, I wish our industry would do more of. Um, I, you can ask me why I know that because I failed in court many times. And after getting embarrassed in court, I realized how important it is that not only is your training records, uh, you know, spot on and your deployment records spot on, but how you answer questions in court is a skill. And if you don't develop that skill, you could have, it can have detrimental effects to our whole industry. So, uh, one of the things that we do there, um, in addition, man, we, we travel, you alluded to it before we travel all over the world, trying to, um, just help. Um, local governments on any situation that the, they may find themselves needing help with. So we were in South Africa not too long ago, uh, certifying some bomb dogs. We did uh, some research on tuberculosis trained dogs and some um, uh, anti-poaching dogs. Those are all things that are needed uh, that we're continuing to do research. So I would say I, I would say this about my company. Yes, we do training, but we take a very scientific approach to everything. And we document everything in a way so that we could publish our own studies and our findings, because we find that to be very important from a police aspect, deploying in real world scenarios. What are the results looking like? Where are the failures? Where are the successes? And uh, we just try to document all those things to better our industry. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. That's, that's freaking great, man. That's really cool stuff. How do people get a hold of you? Like uh, if they want to reach out, maybe you need some help with some stuff. Um, how do they reach you? So depending on when this comes out, we're actually launching our YouTube channel uh, in this in the in the same scope and idea of helping our industry. We also want to allow the general public kind of a behind the scenes look at some of the things we do. So we're launching our YouTube channel It's going to be called Sniff Science. And what it is, I don't know if you guys follow any kind of famous YouTubers or anything like that. Um, but it's going to be a mixture of Mark Rober, which is like the inventor of the glitter bomb, the guy who did that. And oh yeah. You know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he would like set people up and they would steal shit like yes. pirates and that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to have a show very similar to that, where we're going to have subject matter experts who are mostly scientists and people out in the field, uh, kind of give the general audience we were talking about from eight to, you know, 50, uh, a broad strokes idea of all the beautiful things these dogs can do. And we're going to hopefully travel all the world uh, showing all the all the cool things that dogs do and how they make our wor world better and safer. So we're 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 hopefully going to launch that in February. And I hope that's going to be a success because um, I think that will allow us to get some some traction on some of these bad publicity that police canines are getting. We want to play that other side and, and start really early and hit an audience kind of on the earlier side and understand just enough science where they get excited about it where we're not, they're not changing the channel, um, but showing deployments and real life inspirational stories. And at the end of every episode, we're going to, you know, go to a shelter, save a dog, train it and, and show how that dog went from, you know, almost at a kill shelter to leaving with a family to try to inspire people uh, to do things like that. That's pretty cool, man. What about the social media stuff? So everything at Next Level Canine Texas, uh, it's Instagram, uh, Facebook, um, all, all the social media. We're not on TikTok or anything like that. We're not that cool. 
but uh, next level canine Chinese, Texas. Chinese would just steal it anyway. Yeah, there you go. That. Yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> and then, of course, Sniff Science is going to be at the same thing. Uh, we're launching in February, so you can't, you will not find it anywhere now. We're going to make our hard, hard launch in February. You need to up your uh, Instagram game. It's October 3rd, your last post, brother. Yeah, Get on it. I know. I know. I, I, I'm just so it. involved in the, the field stuff. <laughs> I, I need someone dedicated just to social media. Yeah, that's what I need to do. I need tough. to hire somebody. And I, I'm just breaking your balls, but that's the, the world we live in right now where you got everybody, anybody. Hey, do you know so-and-so? I go right to look and see Facebook or Instagram if I know them. <laughs> it's weird. It's just exactly. weird. <laughs> so what well, about we you, have, Ted? We're good. All right. Uh, Ted underscore Summers on Instagrams and then um, Torchlight Canine, Torchlight Pets on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, Oil Capital Canine are in on Facebook and then OC Canine Fund on Instagram and then HRD Police Canine. We have several seminars coming up for the uh, next for 2024. Um, we've got a big one coming up with Jeff Shetler and Paul Ludwig in October of 2024 um in south carolina which is going to be gnarly so that'll be a four-day deal if i remember correctly so be looking for that i think it's already up on the website i've talked to ray but it should be up on the website already but yeah um that's where i'm at cool uh check out everything working dog radio it's working dog radio on facebook working dog radio.com oh by the time this comes out the yeah the probable cause patches will be out yeah those should be up there the new um, probable <laughs> it looks like a crown them. royal bag. <laughs> yeah, is right. it? The, the, just probable cause in the font. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. But, but, but before I leave, I have to say because uh, I promised Josh that I would mention this, and if I don't, he's I'm never going to hear the end of it. We we are doing a workshop uh, April 22nd through the 26th here in Dallas. We're going to focus on teams that want to do the hemp versus marijuana stuff. So if you don't feel like you have the funding, the know-how, the trainers, the equipment, we'll do everything for you. Come to our workshop. Uh, we, we're able to take a couple hundred handlers to do that this year. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna team up with probably uh, Street Cop to get the word out there. And we understand that there's going to be a rush to get the certification, get this done. Mm-hmm. We want to make ourselves available to the industry. Make sure you send us that flyer thing yes. so that working dog radio can post it because i have some teams in durant and ardmore that will go um probably from the oklahoma bureau of narcotics also Excellent. um so that are guys that are way on the forefront of that shit so um yeah make sure you send me that just cool. for sure as a side note yeah steven it's been great man i i appreciate your time um i know you're real busy and got a lot going on so glad we could get this nailed down and get it done um Hopefully that we're looking at, you know, a month maybe, you know, before the uh, thing comes out about right. We'll get this out and uh, yeah. get it going. Get Hopefully we'll just be sending everybody to this this podcast to listen, at least get them going so they can tell their admins, chill the fuck out, slow down, calm down. The agencies I see that really panic and just shut everything down have piles of money. So they just yeah, well, get rid of all those dogs, get all new dogs. Yeah. Get rid of all those dogs, get all new dogs. It's no no other agencies except for the big ones can do that. Yeah, they just don't have yeah. the money for that. So if I didn't to... answer a question that somebody has an answer or a question to, I mean, 
please uh, feel free to email me, whether it's an administration. We get that locally all the time where they hear about this. They're not sure about it. They have questions from their lawyers and what everything. Next level canine Texas at gmail.com. Texas spelled out letter K number nine. Next level canine Texas at gmail.com. You can email me anytime. I'll be happy Perfect. to walk you through the process. By that time, anyway, the study would be out. I can give you a copy of the study so you don't have to pay for it anywhere. Uh, again, it's for what we can do for our industry. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. Yeah, I, I like it. I'm glad we need people looking out for it. All right, guys, I appreciate right. your time. It's my 20 year wedding anniversary, and uh, I got to go. <laughs> Indeed. So, congratulations, right. man. Yeah, Thanks, man. We'll see you. Thanks. All right. Thanks, All right. guys. Later, guys. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E. .blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.